Hey, Whitbell family, good morning. Welcome to our 9 a.m. service. I wish I could see you in person. I want to give a shout-out welcome to not just our church family, but to our many guests from across the city of Ottawa, even across the nation of Canada, even globally around the world. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Well, we're in an eight-part sermon series that we're calling Clarify. And we want to explore some themes from God's word and bring some clarity to the confusion. And so for a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about influence. I want to talk to you about clarify what the Bible has to say about living a life of influence. When you think of the word influence, you think of impact. You think of making a difference. I really believe that God wants you. God wants me. God wants this church, regardless of our age or our stage, to be a people of influence, to make an impact, to live life beyond ourselves. I'm excited to declare to you today that we as a church, God has postured us and positioned us to make an influence here in this great city of Ottawa and even across Canada and around the world. Can you imagine last year through a pandemic that your giving in 2020, just in our tithes alone, was like a, almost $140,000 more in 2020 than in 2019. That's like 5% more, all because of your generosity. We can make an influence. We started to look at our finances back in 2020, and we discovered something which we thought was so amazing. And it's this, that you as a church, because of your generosity, over $800,000, yes, $800,000 went outside the walls of this church to, to, to help around the world, to help in this great city. That's like 23.9%. That's like 24 cents of every dollar that came into this church in 2020 went outside the walls to be an influence to advance the kingdom of God. Come on, that's worth celebrating, isn't it? That's amazing. Well, last Sunday was our Global Mission Sunday, and we have the honor of partnering with 26 global workers. We took on two more global workers that we're gonna share who they are on our missions emphasis moment later in the month of May. But last Sunday, you heard from two global workers we partnered with, the prices in Thailand and the Citrillos in Uruguay. And we set a goal of $50,000. How many people want to know what came in last Sunday? You ready for this? You, as a church, above your tithes, because of your generosity, gave $50,500 last Sunday for these projects. Come on, that's worth celebrating. And on top of that, we've set aside $20,000 from our missions budget. So you put that together, $70,500 to come alongside and help these missions projects. You see, Woodville, I'm glad that we as a church corporately and you as an individual can make an impact, can be a difference maker. You see, God has given you a sphere of influence. It might be your family. It may be your neighborhood, your place of work, your school. And regardless of your age or your stage, God wants you to be a person of influence. 
And so for a few moments this morning, I want to explore with you from God's word what this theme means to be living a life of influence. I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible named Elisha. Do you remember Elisha? Not Elijah, Elisha. You look back in in 1 Kings chapter 19 and Elisha is out plowing the fields. He's got his oxen and his plow and he's plowing the fields and prophet Elijah comes alongside him and invites him to come and be mentored by him to step into the prophetic ministry. And Elisha received the call so much so that he burned his plowing equipment and he slaughtered his animals and he gave the meat to feed the people. And he went and he came alongside Elijah and he was mentored by Elijah. Now you come to, to 2 Kings and 2 Kings chapter 2. We remember the story where Elijah went up in a whirlwind and he left earth and he went to heaven. And he, before he did that, he put the cloak over Elisha, the same cloak that he put on Elisha in 1 Kings chapter 19 when he called him into ministry. Now he, Elijah took off his cloak and he put it on to Elisha. It's like, here's the prophetic mantle for you. I'm leaving earth and I'm going to heaven. And when you read 2 Kings chapter 2, there's some amazing, I mean, cool miracles that God did through Elisha. I mean, one day he raised a man to life. <laughs> Another time he healed this guy named Naaman. Another time he fed over a hundred people. I mean, there's a whole bunch of miracles. But, but his last miracle, his last miracle, get ready for this, happened after he died. You see, you learn in 2 Kings chapter 13, he died. They buried him in the ground. And now the people are freaking out because of the Midianites that are attacking. And one day, the, these Israelites are burying a body. And the Midianites start to attack. And so they're, they're freaking out. And so they wanted to run for life. So they take this dead body and they literally threw him into the grave where Elisha was buried. Get ready for this. When that dead man touched the bones of dead Elisha, that man came to life. And the Bible says he came to life and he stood up on his feet. I mean, can you imagine that God was using Elisha with influence even after he died? Well, I want to take you to a miracle that God did through Elisha. It's going to seem a little insignificant. It's going to seem a little unimportant. But these seven verses, I believe, can change your life. And they're found in 2 Kings chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want to read you verse 1 down to verse 7. It's an amazing miracle. It's the miracle of the floating axe head. 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse 1 to 7. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan. And they began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and he took it. So this morning, for a few moments, 
I want to give you five keys to living a life of influence. But before I share these keys, would you bow your heads with me? Father God, it's an honor to stand on this platform in this 9 a.m. service and got only 10 people in the building, but there's literally hundreds watching right now our church family and our many guests. And I'm asking God from, from this platform to their homes that your anointing would flow and you would speak. And I pray, God, that these five keys to living a life of influence would come to life and you would speak to each one of us today in the mighty, holy name of Jesus. Everybody shout it. Amen. The first key that I saw in our text today, number one, if you want to live a life of influence, if you want to make a difference, if you want to live beyond yourself, I'm challenging you to be building a legacy, building a legacy. And I want you to, to notice that, that, that word there where it says the company, the company of the prophets said to Elisha. And the Hebrew word for company is, is ben, and it could be translated school, or it could be translated sons. It's the sons of the prophets, or it's the, the company of the prophets, or it's the, the school of the prophets. And when I started to study that ancient Hebrew word, I, I discovered that it, meant to, to, it means to build, or to rebuild, or to establish, or to cause to continue. Now think about it. Elijah calls Elisha in the ministry and says, I want to mentor you. I want to teach you this prophetic ministry. And then, and then Elijah goes up to heaven, the whirlwind story, right? And then here's Elisha, and he, and he gathers a group of young men who came alongside him, the school of the prophets, the, the sons of the prophets. And, and Elisha's now an old man, and he's mentoring them. And he's pouring into them because Israel was in decline, but but Elisha said, I don't want the prophetic voice to stop. I want it to continue beyond my ministry. When I go on to heaven, I want this prophetic ministry to continue. So he gathered around himself, these men, and he, and he poured into them. He mentored them. He was building a legacy, and a legacy is something that lives beyond you. It lives beyond your ministry. It lives beyond your life. And moms and dads, let's build a legacy in our children, grandparents. Let's build a legacy in our grandchildren. Church, let's build a legacy for the next generation. That we would pass something on to the next generation. Now, I'll tell you, Evelyn and I have been serving here for 20 years, and it's been so cool. And can you imagine? We're going to celebrate 35 years married this week. I mean, she's put up with me for 35 years. And I said to her, babe, don't you ever leave me. And if you leave me, I'm going with you. I mean, she's, we're, we're, we're crazy glued together. She's the glue and I'm the crazy. But we've seen the hand of God in great ways. Now, here I am. I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not an old guy, but I'm certainly not as young as I used to be. I'm in my late 50s and, and I've got no desire to retire soon. I mean, I got lots of gas in the tank and I feel there's a lot of years ahead of me, but I want you to know, I feel the Lord saying to me to put every ounce of energy in ministry energy in this season of ministry for the next generation. 
And I'll do all I can to pass a baton to the next generation, to, to shape it for the tomorrows beyond us. I pray that, that way down the road when we step into retirement, I'm not rushed for it. Don't, don't read me wrong. I'm not rushing for it. This is a long ways down the road. But I pray whoever follows us that God would do greater things through their ministry than God ever did through our ministry. I pray that the generation of youth and the generation of children in this church and the generation of young adults will be used greater for the kingdom of God Almighty. That's called building a legacy. The second thing that I want to share with you, number two, write this in your notes, making room. Yeah. Making room for growth. And growth starts in the heart. Growth starts inside of you before it moves outside of you. Now, I want you to look at our Bible here. You see, you see the company of the prophets, the sons of the prophets, the school of the prophets, this whole group of guys said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you. It's too small for us. I mean, there, was, there were several schools of prophets. In those days, there was one in Bethel, and there's one in Jericho. And I believe this is referring to the one in Jericho. And God was using Elisha in such a great way that there's a whole bunch of guys getting around him, and the school of the prophets is growing left and right. And so they're crowded in this little spot. And finally, the, 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 the sons of the prophets said, Elisha, the place where we meet is too small for us. I started to study the Hebrew word for small. And it actually can be translated not just small. It can be translated narrow. Or it can be translated tight. I wonder inside of me or inside of you, is our vision too small? <laughs> Is the dreams and the faith inside of us too narrow? I mean, you see, a God dream is always bigger than a person. If it's a God dream, it would take God to do it. I want to take you this morning on a, on a journey, and I'm going to share with you a little bit of exciting vision that we as a leadership believe God has for this church in the days ahead. But it was back in the 1950s that a church began on Maryville Road. It was Woodville, but we called it City View back in those days. It was a small little building, and church began to grow. And before long, there's like 150 people. And God gave the leadership a dream. And they saw some property on 205, which is 205 Green Bank right here. And they, they built this huge building. It sat 450 people with a beautiful, modern, Christian Ed wing. And they moved here in the 1970s, and the favor of God was all over this church. And they began to grow. I take you now in the 1990s, before our ministry here, the place was filled up, and it became too small and too tight. And the leadership began to dream, and they felt the Lord say to build a new sanctuary, build a new Christian Edwing. But you know what? They didn't have enough dough. They didn't have enough cash to build both the, the new auditorium, the new Christian Ed Wing. They said, so what should we do first? And they made a wise decision. You see, they were ready to build a thousand seat auditorium. But they said, before we build that, we need to make a Christian Ed Wing to sustain and support the ministries for that thousand seat auditorium. So it was in 1997, 96 range. They built this beautiful Christian Ed Wing that we now have. It's amazing. And they built it to support a new auditorium that would seat a thousand people. Mark and Evelyn showed up here January 2001. And I remember sitting with the board and we started to dream. They said, we need to build a new auditorium. But we knew we needed to pay off the mortgage of our expansion. And so that happened in like six months. The favor of God was all over it. 
And then we started to dream and we felt the Lord say, maximize the footprint. So instead of a thousand seat sanctuary, you, you all know this, we're sitting in a 2000 seat sanctuary. And by the way, I can't wait till you're all back here on Sundays. And so we built a 2000 seat sanctuary and we're ready to add more Christianette space, but we didn't have enough money. And so all we can build is the 2,000 seat sanctuary. And if you do an aerial view of Woodville now, you see this large auditorium that seeks 2,000, but you'll see this Christian Edwing that is a lot small, smaller than it should be to support a 2,000 seat auditorium. And then we saw the favor of God as we've been trying to pay off this mortgage and God's been all over helping us. In fact, we were able to build a parking lot for $750,000 and we didn't even take a loan for it, paying a mortgage and $750,000 for a parking lot. I mean, just so cool, so amazing. And then we felt the Lord say to us, let's, let's step and be a generous church. Let's not wait till a mortgage is paid to be generous. And, and because of your generosity, not only have we been paying off this mortgage and not only have we paid for a parking lot in full, 750,000, I already told you, we gave over $800,000 last year outside of the walls of the church. Come on, man, that's so cool. And now we're getting ready to bless our community, the big gift, and it's going to look different this year. And so we connected with Morrison Gardens down the street, and we connected with Dunbar Court. Now, Morrison Gardens, over 50% of the residents in Morrison Gardens are single moms and their families. And then we connected with Dunbar Court. Then we connected with Pinecrest School, and then, and then, and then another school, Martindale School. And, and we, we discovered 200 families that are struggling during covid and we want to be a blessing to them. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. That's the kind of church I want to pastor. You may not know this, but, but there's 2,000 people that have been worshiping on site, and sometimes more than 2,000 before COVID hit. <laughs> Midweek on Wednesday night, this place was bursting at the seams. I mean, 100 junior hires and 100 and kids in our children's program. This building was so crowded, it was overloaded, that we had to move junior high to Tuesday night. And the moment we did that, the numbers went down because it was easier for parents to bring them all on the same night. But we did it because we, no space, bursting at the seams. And God began to speak to us how we can better reach out to our community. Now, I'm going to share with you some vision. And I want you to listen because you're going to hear something for the very first time. That your leadership has been on a journey for about a year, a half, year and a half about making more room. Making more room. And we want to complete the phase of expansion. We want to maximize the footprint. And we're glad that God said, wait, because here's what happened this past Thursday night. Your church board met. And after a year and a half or so journey, we unanimously 100% said, it's time to present the dream to the church and posture ourselves to maximize the footprint of this building. So I'm not going to show you plans today. No. I'm not going to show you the digital pictures today. That's going to happen on May the 16th. But I'm telling you that we're going to be presenting to you to remodel and redesign our children's wing to make it an updated current, elevate children's ministry, children's center. You're going to love it. And it's going to be for all of the young families in our church and all for the next generation. And it's, you're going to see it. You're going to love it. We're going to redesign, remodel the children's wing. 
And then we're going to add an expansion beside the auditorium. And one time we thought it would be just a gym. Man, are we ever glad we didn't do that back then because it wouldn't serve all our needs. Get ready, get, get, get ready for this. We're going to maximize the footprint, do an expansion beside the auditorium. And it's going to include our next gen center. Oh, yeah. It's going to have a 200-seat auditorium for our junior hires on Wednesday night, our young adults on Thursday night, and our senior high youth on Friday night. It's going to have a, a half-sized gym that they can go and hang out and play in. It's going to have a game room. It's going to have a large cafe room. Can you imagine a large cafe for Sundays, but also for during the week to open up to the community? Come on, man. Isn't that powerful? Brand new kitchen. Upstairs, a new office wing, a large new room, and youth offices, and on and on it goes, including a counseling wing. Because the time has come for us to create a counseling ministry to help our community. Why do this? So to better serve our church family and to better posture us to reach out to our community. We are pumped. We are excited about it. Some of you are like, well, Mark, don't we still have a mortgage going on in this place? I mean, there was a day I thought, well, with a miracle of God, this 20-year mortgage can be paid off in 15 years in the spring of 2022, and then it went from miracle to possible to probable, and the math is showing it true. <laughs> because of your generosity, not only can we give $800,000 outside of the walls, get ready for this, not only can we pay already for that parking lot, that mortgage is going to be paid in full in the spring of May 20. 22, come on, give a little clap offering to our God Almighty. So our dream that we're going to present to you on May the 16th, followed by some town hall question and answer meetings and followed by a vote by you as a membership in late June, you're going to see it on May the 16th. The dream is to complete this last phase to maximize our footprint, to posture us, to better serve the next generation and to better reach out to the unchurch. And I could tell you as your pastor that I sense it so deep in my heart. You see, you got to sense it inside of you before you see it with your eyes. And I believe as a church that we're going to keep on reaching to our community and reaching to the nation of Canada around the world. We're going to keep on. See, it's not either or mortgage or helping outside. No, you can do both. And we're coming alongside struggling churches. We've done that for years and we've helped them financially and we've given them equipment and we've given them people and we've sent some people to help them. We've come alongside a church in Vanya. You all know that. Years ago, we came alongside a church in Bayshore and then we came alongside a church in Richmond and came alongside a church around the corner from us that burnt down and we're all about coming alongside struggling churches to help and strengthen. Why? Because God has postured us as a church to be a place of influence. Come on, somebody give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God, amen. I want to take you back to the sermon, number three. Let's pick it up here. Number one, building a legacy. Number two, making room for growth. Number three, working together in God's power. Working together, not in isolation, but together and in God's power. Now watch this. I'm going to read to you verse two down to verse four. So all these sons of the prophets said to Elisha, let's go to the Jordan. 
the Jordan. Everybody say Jordan. One, two, three. Jordan. Jordan's the place of breakthrough. Jordan's the place of anointing. Jordan's the place of the supernatural. Oh, yeah. You see, Jordan was the place that Elisha threw his cloak onto and the Jordan parted. That's 2 Kings chapter 2. You go in the New Testament, Jordan is the place where Jesus was baptized and Jesus had the anointing of Holy Spirit come upon him. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he ministered in the power of Holy Spirit. And if Jesus had to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, church, we got to do all this, the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to reach this city, reach this nation, reach this world for Jesus, we all got to do it in the power of Holy Spirit. Now, let me read it. Let's go to the Jordan, verse 2, where each of us can get a pole, which is a, a beam. And let us, let us build a place there for us to meet. See the word us? And so Elijah said, go. He's an old man. Go. You guys do this. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? They wanted the old guy with them. They didn't want him building. They just wanted him beside them because they felt safe with his presence. And they wanted him to come alongside them. And he said, I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan. And they began to cut trees. And they're building the new residence, the new place for the sons of the prophets. I'm going to give you two stories about this amazing church, God doing something together. We got a church that's filled with young families. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen. You're going to see this because there's a family. There's four kids, eight, six, four, and three. I mean, that's just Woodville, lots of young families. They all brought their church here, their family here to church, and they've been on site worshiping with their young family. A few weeks ago, I'm sharing the message of clarity of uh, what the Bible has to say about what you have. And I talked about how whatever you have, whoever you are, regardless of your age or your stage, God's got something he wants to do through you. And that family went home, and their eight-year-old and their six-year-old said, Mom, Dad, we want God to do something through us. And before the lockdown, they were going with their school kids to a local senior's home. And now the senior's home's in lockdown. So you know what they did? Look at the picture on the screen. Look at it, man. They drew 40 pictures with notes of encouragement, with scriptures. Then they got some Bibles. Get ready. Get ready for this. They went to their pencil cases and pulled out all their pencils and got pencil sharpeners that they said, we want to give these pencils to these seniors in this local seniors home so they can write scriptures. And then on a Sunday, we gave all the children a little magnifying glass. Remember that? That was for the kids. They looked at their magnifying glass and said, no, God, you've given that to us, but we're going to give this to the seniors in the seniors home because some of them can't read too well. They can use my magnifying glass. And they can use my magnifying glass to read these notes. Come on, man, isn't that powerful? So mom and dad got it together, took it to the senior's home with their eight-year-old and their six-year-old in a box. They left it there for 72 hours, you know, the COVID thing. And then the workers at that senior's home distribute those notes to those seniors. Come on, man, that's the kind of church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. One more story. There's two ladies in our church, and I, I won't give you their age. They're not in their 20s. We'll just start with that. And God began to use them to minister to a lady that was, that was not well and battling cancer, and they started to bring her to church several times. And I can remember a Sunday night prayer meeting that this lady they brought was in one of our Sunday night prayer meetings before we couldn't worship on site. She got no family. She's all alone. She went into the hospital, and she was dying. 
And because of the COVID restrictions, she going to be there all alone? So these two ladies on Monday this past week said, can't happen. Can't happen. They asked her, would you like to come to our house? Pass away in our house. She said, I don't want to die alone. So they took this lady who's not even related to them, brought her to her house. I'm in my Zoom board meeting on Thursday night, finalizing the, the unanimous vote with what we shared today. And I get a call and I take the call that she had died in their home. Come on, man, these two ladies. These two ladies bring someone who's not even a relative to their home, cared enough to be an influence in her life so that she wouldn't have to step into eternity alone. And this lady with cancer had given her heart to Jesus and she's now in heaven. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. A church of influence that says, God, do something beyond me. Help me to be a difference maker. Help me to make an impact. Help me to be an influence in church when we all work together in the power of Holy Spirit. God's going to do something great. This is the nine o'clock service. And I feel the Lord giving me a prophetic word just to say to you this morning. I want you to hear it. I believe in my spirit, this is where God is taking us to expand this property. And it's not just for we as a church, it's for this community. And I believe that there's going to be an explosion in the realm of souls like we've never seen before. And some of y'all say, Mark, we're in a pandemic. We're going to cruise out of this pandemic. We ain't going to start this until the spring of next year. We're not going to get to this the spring. It's not going to get completed until late 2023. And we'll be cruising out of the pandemic. I believe, and I prophetically say this, that there's, I believe God has a mighty wind of revival in the days ahead. The devil's trying to say the church is stifled. Pandemic is bringing closure. I'm here to say to you, the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. And I feel the Lord saying to me, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. And as we get ready, God's going to release a powerful outpouring. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. Let me take you back to God's word, and I want to wrap it up with two, 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 two final things. Number, number four, number four. You see, number one, building a legacy. Number two, making room for growth. Number three, working together in God's power. But number four, trusting God in the setbacks. You ever had a setback? Yeah, you have. It's called COVID. <laughs> That's a setback. But I happen to believe a setback, God's going to use as a setup for something that he's going to do great in the days ahead. Now watch this, verse 5. As one of them was cutting down a tree, young, ba- young buck, son of the prophet, cutting down a tree, and he, the iron axe had fell into the water. Now, I, I, got, I got an axe here, so let me, just, let me just go back here and get it, show it to you. You know, it's like, here's an axe, and here it is, right? But, but in those days, in those days, the, it, it, they had this, this iron axe headed. Iron was costly. It was, it was real expensive stuff. And they, didn't, they, they would tie it with leather onto the shaft. And, and they would put it in water so that the leather would, would, would get wet and shrink, and it would tighten onto it. But you know what happened often as the, as the leather dried up, it would loosen up, and the axe head would go flying off. And that's what happened here. So come on, look at our text. Look at our text. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell in the water. Oh, no, my Lord. He cried out. It was borrowed. I mean, he's just a Bible college student. He had no money. 
He's just the son of the prophet. He couldn't even buy a Big Mac at McDonald's. He's got a borrowed axe with, a, with an iron axe head that went flying into the murky. Have you ever been to Israel? The, the Jordan River, it's dirty, 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 dirty. I mean, it fell into the deep Jordan River. You couldn't even see where it went. He goes, oh, my Lord. It's borrowed. He's freaking out because it's borrowed. I mean, the truth be told, if it's borrowed, you got to find some money to pay for it. He's kind of freaking out. No, no, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Get ready for this. Ready, ready? Borrowed. Every gift that God gives, every talent that God gives, Every spiritual gift that God gives, every dollar that God gives is borrowed. He's entrusted to us. We got to use it for the kingdom of God Almighty. I got to prophesy right now. Some of you are walking in setback. The devil's throwing something at you and you're desperate, you're discouraged, and you're like, it's over. I'm going to tell you, it's not over. Just like the iron axe had sunk into the murky, dirty Jordan River. God Almighty is going to bring it back to life and do a miracle because Jordan, come on now, is the place of breakthrough. Jordan is the place of anointing. No setback is going to stop what God wants to do in you and through you. So I I declare to you today that that number four, we got to trust God in the setbacks. Lord, what's going on? Lord, India is a mess. God, there's challenges in Nova Scotia. There, Toronto's going through. It's, it's, it's a mess. God, are we ever going to get through this? Uh, church, we might be discouraged, but we're not defeated. We might be down, but it's not over. We had to go back to the Jordan. I feel the Lord saying, get back to the Jordan, the place of breakthrough. Because the best days for this church are the days ahead. Somebody, 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 somebody shout amen right now. Amen. I want to take you to point number five, and I want to close with this. Laying hold. (laughs) Laying hold of God for yourself. Now watch this. The man of God, that's Elisha, by the way, said to the the prophet, or to the son of the prophet who had lost his axe, said, where did it fall? (laughs) You ever lost something? You know how you know? You, you go back to where you last saw it. You just lost your keys. Where, when did you last have them? Where, where, where did it fall? Now watch this, watch this. The, the axe head is the cutting edge. The axe head is the effectiveness. You can't, you can't cut a tree just with the shaft. You need the, the axe head. You need the cutting edge. You need the effectiveness. Because I believe COVID is teaching his church. To rediscover the cutting edge, the effectiveness. Where, where did it fall? I believe right now there's some pastors watching the service right now, and you're discouraged, and you're down, and you're in a church, and it's tough, and, and you feel, I don't have a cutting edge. Where did it fall? I, I, I prophesy over you right now, church. I prophesy over you, pastor. The best is yet to come. Don't you do it in your own strength. You see, the shaft represents you and the, the cutting edge. The, the axe head represents the anointing. Get the anointing of God. Lay hold of it for yourself. Don't try to be another church. God's not looking for cookie-cutter churches. God's got a destiny for this church that's uniquely different than any other church. Don't try person. Don't son, daughter. 
Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, child, don't try to be someone. Be who God made you to be and watch the anointing of God go through. Where did it fall? And so he showed him the place. I mean, I mean, the guy knew exactly where it fell. So Elisha, he cut a stick. He cut a stick and he threw it in there. I love that. He cut a stick and he threw it in there. And the Hebrew word for stick can actually mean a tree. He cut a tree. He cut a stick. He took a living branch from a tree and he threw it in there. And it made the iron float. I just ask you a question. Does iron float in the natural? No go. It hits the water and it sinks quickly to the bottom. But he cut a tree. And he threw it into the murky Jordan River. <laughs> and the axe head floated to the top. Hundreds of years later, there was another tree that was cut. And it was put on a hill called Golgotha. And Jesus was nailed to that cross. And he died and they put him in a grave in the murky grave of death. But on the third day up from the grave, he arose. Y'all see this miracle is a prophetic picture of what Jesus did on a tree hundreds of years later. And so Elijah, Elisha the prophet takes a tree and he throws it in the water and he made the iron head float. No, no, watch this, watch this. If God can make the iron head float, God could have taken the iron head out of the water and chucked it miraculously back onto the wooden shaft. But he didn't. He just made it float. <laughs> and then Elijah said, lift it out. <laughs> and that son of the prophet reached out his hand and he took the floating axe head and he put it back onto the wooden shaft and he kept on building and they worked together and they made the new place. The cutting edge represents the anointing. It represents our effectiveness. But church, hear me, you got to seize it. You got to lay hold of what God has for you. And I'm here to declare to you, God's got something big and great for you individually. And God Almighty's got something big and great for us as a church. So I might be in my late 50s, 58 to be exact, don't push it. There's a lot of gas in this tank. I'm no rush to retire. In fact, retirement freaks me out. And I love you, Woodville. But I feel so intentional to posture and position for the next generation, for the days ahead that God has for this church. So I love you, Woodville. I love you. Let's be a church that lives a life for influence. Let's make an impact that's huge for the kingdom of God. Let's be difference makers that make a difference. And let's not lose our cutting edge. Let it be restored, renewed, refreshed. We might be in stay-at-home order. And there might be a lot of coronavirus going on, but the best is yet to come. And so let's get ready. Let's get ready as a church.
we can do this. We can do this. So May the 16th, you're all going to see it. You're going to love it. Then we're going to have some town hall meetings. Then we're going to take you to a vote. And we're just going to keep lining it all up and get ready for next spring and get ready for what God has ahead. I can't wait. I see it in my heart, in the spirit. And I can't wait to see it with my eyes. Just before we have communion, would you bow your heads with me? Father God, I thank you for this amazing church. I love this church. God, I'm so moved to think some 20 years ago, you planted Evelyn and I from the greater Toronto area to here. And God, I've watched our children grow up in this church and I've watched them get a hold of the next generation. I saw our children in the children's ministries. And then when they went to junior high, helping with the children. And then when they went to senior high, helping with the junior highs. And when they became young adults, they started leading in youth. And now that they're beyond that young adult stage, they're helping with the young marrieds, with the young adults. God, I pray that this church would have a heart like never before for the next generation. I pray, God, that we would posture our giftings, we posture our finances, we posture our vision for the youth, the young adults, and the children. God, I know every grandma and grandpa that's watching today, more than anything, they want to see their grandchildren on fire for Jesus. And I believe, Lord, in the last days, you're going to pour out your Holy Spirit in such a powerful way that there's going to be not just signs and wonders. There's going to be a fresh anointing of Holy Spirit upon our young adults, our youth, and our children. And I believe, God, that the vision you have for this church is huge. So, God, help us to get ready. Help us, God, not to have a dream or a vision that's narrow or tight. Help us, God, to not stop blessing the community. Help us, God, to be a church that has a global mindset. Lord, help us to come alongside struggling little churches that are broken and bruised and pastors that are discouraging God in some way. If I could help them, help me to help them. If some way, God, you could use this as a church to be a blessing, help us, God, to be a blessing. We're so blessed. Help us, God, to live with open hearts and open hands. Woodville, just before we have communion, just lift your hands right now. I just want to pray for you. God, release a fresh anointing. May the axe head come back to the wooden shaft. May the anointing be released over every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every senior. And may you use us greatly in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, don't whisper. I want you to shout amen. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. But we're going to celebrate communion in our final few moments, and I hope you got some crackers or bread or some juice ready, and we're going to, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. To think some 2,000 years ago, and Jesus was in an upper room with his disciples. It was the Last Supper. It was the Passover. It was the day before the crucifixion. And he took some bread and he broke it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Then he took some of the fruit from the vine, the wine, the juice, and he said, this is my blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. 
It was prophetic because the bread represented his body and the juice, the wine represented his blood. So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, adult, teenager, boy, girl, church fam, this represents his body. This represents his blood. So I want you to take that little bit of bread, that cracker, and I want you just to hold it. And I want it to be a reminder to you and to me today that Jesus took our place on a cross some 2,000 years ago. If you're watching today, you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, Today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity. If you can't say I'm ready, I know that I'm ready. Before we even take of this emblem, I want to lead you in this prayer. In this nine o'clock service of asking Jesus to be the center of your life. I want you to pray after me, dear Jesus. Come into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I make my peace with you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that prayer. You made the best decision of your life. Reach out to us. We want to reach back to you. Just online, reach out to us. Someone will respond back to you. We want to get you in our virtual follow class and meets on Wednesday night, going to help disciple you in your new faith journey. If you live in the Ottawa area and you don't have a life-giving church you attend, we get back on site, come on out. Take the next step, get baptized in water. You can see information on the website about that. And if you're still checking out Christianity, sign up for Alpha. It'll answer your questions. But we're holding on to the bread. It represents his body. Let's partake together of the bread that represents the body of Jesus. Let's partake together. Don't feel rushed, church. We thank Him. I'm so glad, Jesus took my place on the cross. I want you to get the juice that you have. For, for me, it's grape juice. It might be orange juice for you. Whatever you have in your house. Represents his blood. Blood represents life. Jesus gave his life for us. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Let's partake. church family you're at home today can I invite you to stand with me I want to pray for you there's people in our church family walking the journey of cancer they need a miracle there's people in our church family they're down discouraged anxiety is rampant I mean this lockdown's tough and Anxiety is rampant. There's even church congregants who are walking through COVID right now and just need a touch from God. A lady in our church was in hospital and she needed to be intubated, but she's off that now and she's coming along so, so well, praise the Lord, and moving in the right direction. 
I heard of a pastor uh, that was connected with our church, Colin Gregg. He worshiped here years ago, pastors out in Edmonton, COVID in hospital, and needs a touch from God. And there's many of you in the church family today, you need a miracle, you need a miracle. Well, we, we are a church that believes that nothing is impossible for God. And so before we close this nine o'clock service, I, I wanna invite you all across this, all across this city, this nation, this world, just lift your hands right now as high as you can. We're gonna believe God for miracle. So God, I pray miracle in the name of Jesus. I pray miracle healing in bodies. I pray cancer be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray back pain be gone, headaches be gone. I pray COVID would be lifted from systems right now. May the breathing get better. May the coughing be gone. May healing come to their bodies in the name of Jesus. God, those in our church family and hospital, touch them right now in the name of the Lord. God, I believe there's some marriages right now. There's, there's couples watching right now, and there's some struggling marriages. Do a miracle in those marriages, Lord. Bring a miracle between husband and wife. God, there's some people right now, anxiety is going rampant. They're, they're, they're feeling all that, that anxiousness and worry because of this season we're in. Break it in the name of the Lord. And we together pray that there be breakthrough from this COVID season. We pray for India. We pray for Nova Scotia. We pray for Toronto. We pray for every area that's battling this great God breakthrough in the name of the Lord. And I just pray, God, that you pour out your great spirit over every person. Thank you, Lord, for those that gave their heart to you today. Hallelujah. And we thank you, God, for this morning. And I, I just pray again, Lord, help us to live a life of influence. Give us an amazing week. I pray, God, what we're doing to, to help these 200 families, that the church would go online today and get on board, donate some money to that, bring in some food for that, that, God, we would make a difference in this community. So thank you, God, for this great church called Whitville. Evelyn, I love them so much. Give us a great day and a great week. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, come on. Give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. Amen.